Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, I am joined by our slightly reduced workforce, starting out with Sam Schultz. Hello. I never say you first. I know, it's too (laughs) weird. I'm not ready. I need time to prepare. (laughs) Sam, would you rather be too hot or too cold? I would rather be too cold, because you can put a blanket on. Yeah, I... uh, I agree, because if you're hot, you can't do anything about it. Pretty much, no, after a certain point, you're as yeah. nude as you can be. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That's that. You just got to <laughs> spritz yourself. Yeah. Uh, what's your tagline? Thinking about doing a heel turn in 2021. Uh, you're thinking about doing a heel turn to preparing your taglines more ahead of time. No, seems no. Seems like to me. Thinking about doing a heel turn in the wrestling sense where I'm going to turn evil. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I'm considering it. Can you give me your evil laugh? I think my evil laugh would be the same as my normal laugh. You've maybe been evil the whole time and we have no idea. I think it's possible. Sari Riley is also with us. Sari, are you like an early bird or a late bird? Let's just keep learning about everybody. I'm I'm a late bird. I'm super bad at waking up. Going to sleep is so hard, and waking up is so hard. One of the, they should one of them should be easy. 
I think going to sleep is really easy and waking up is hard. Yeah. Actually, going going to sleep is pretty easy. I just don't like to do it. Yeah. I don't really hit my swing until like 11 p.m., which is a problem. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> this is me. But now I have to go to bed at 10 yeah. because my child wakes up. That's terrible. I have been <laughs> tired for four years. <laughs> Get oh, ready no. for many more. My dad woke me up into high school because high school was too early and he would turn on the light in my room uh, and then let me sleep and I would like grumble oh. and then he'd come in and be like, Sarah, you actually have to get up now. And then I'd grumble and he'd be like, okay, you're going to be late if you don't get get up now. <laughs> um, so get ready for Oren to also be not a morning person and then you'll have to be the, the morning person by default. I need to teach him to be responsible for his own self because <laughs> I can't be. I need to be asleep. <laughs> And what's your tagline, Sari? Circle of fitness. Ah, the best shape of fitness. (laughs) 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 And I'm Hank Green, your third and final host of SciShow Tangents, at least for the moment. And my tagline is, chew on those eye hooks. So SciShow Tangents is is altering, and it is in the process of altering, so it it may not find its final form for a while yet. You're going to come along the process with us. But we're still going to do the basic thing, which is that we are going to try to, you know, amaze and delight and one up each other with science facts without ever staying on topic. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding chin coins from week to week, named after the illustrious and departed Stefan Chin. (laughs) So that is one of the changes here at 2021 Tangents, the third season. There is no Stefan. The second thing is that we're getting rid of this punishment for Tangents. Because it just made editing the podcast too hard. It was hard and we never did it. So (laughs) we're going to let it go. Like let our, let our tangents flag fly. Yeah. And just go in whatever, go in whatever directions we want to go. And then additionally, each week this month, one of our panelists is going to present a new game instead of truth or fail or the fact off. Like we like those games. They may come back into the rotation as we continue the season, but we want to try some new games out as well. We also have some other little surprises in the store for you as we go. But one thing that isn't changing is that as always, we are going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sam. This poem is titled Eight Poems About Cephalopods. Number one, an octopus hides in a reef its skin disguised in a motif. To hide it from its fishy prey, a grasp, a snap, it jets away. Number two. A giant squid floats in the dark, its great eye fixed upon a shark. Its toothy tongue slips from its beak and shreds the beast with grim technique. Nice. Number three. A cuttlefish glides low and fast, hoping to eat, but then, alas, before it a seal's jaws have gaped, a blast of ink, and it's escaped. Number... Four? <laughs> a nautilus floats by serene this living fossils kind has seen species come and then species go but they've learned to go with the flow number six floating through everlasting night the vampire squids a living fright but as scary as they may look they mostly eat dead things and poop that doesn't really rhyme very well. <laughs> In honor of Stefan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Number six. In tide pools lurks a nasty sting. An octopus, the type, blue ring. Their bites don't hurt a tiny bit. But if you're hit, you're in deep shit. Number seven. Torpedo bod and shiny skin. There goes a reef squid and its kin. With flashing colors, they can say, What's up, dude? And let's go this way. 
Number eight, cephalopods, both big and small, one thing in common they have all. They're smart and weird and all unique, and it's real weird that they have beaks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I think beaks, it's weird. Beaks are convenient. I think it'd be weirder if they had teeth. Just a little mouth down there with a bunch of human molars and incisors. Those have tongues with teeth all over them. So their whole mouth situation's screwy. It's true. Cephalopods are very much the thing that makes me be like, oh, so life could look really different than it does. <laughs> they went in a totally different direction and made it work. Yeah, we could have arms with brains in them. Our brains could be distributed across our whole bodies. We could be completely squishy with no bones. Yeah, our esophagus could run through our donut brain. Bad idea. It's working for them. I yeah. guess so. Just got to chew your food. Extra careful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't swallow anything too big. You might rip your brain in half. <laughs> So the topic of today's episode is the cephalopod, which uh, Sam has defined fairly well. There's a bunch of them, and there's also some cephalopods that Sam didn't mention, right? I feel like I got every archetype of, of cephalopod well, in there. But not like clams. You didn't talk about clams. Clams are not a cephalopod. Wait, what are they? A mollusk. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> uh oh <laughs> You're right. My whole game that I'm about to do is all about clams. No, it's not. <laughs> Doesn't cephalopod mean head foot? That's yeah. what I was about to ask, too. <laughs> yes. That's all they are. They're heads and foots. So that makes sense. So now I guess we are. it's time for my, my, my game that I've designed. I have no idea if this is going to work. <laughs> there's going to be two rounds of the game, and there's going to be a definition of a thing, and then you are going to tell me what that thing is, and the answers will always rhyme with each other. The first one, you won't know what the rhyme is yet. So the first one I've tried to make a little bit easier so that you can get there. And then all of them will rhyme with something that is to do with cephalopods. And then you will have to guess which thing it is. Does this game have a name? Oh, it's called it's called Rhyme Time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's cemented in the podcast history now. <laughs> so let's play through and you will have a better idea of what's going on. The top of a jar. That is a color that is a very light red. Lid. I got that far too. <laughs> and what is a what is very light red? Pink. Yes, put them together. Pink lid. Lid pink. Swip it around. <laughs> you lid lid pink. Okay. Sari got it. Sari gets the point with lid pink. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> is that a word so, I don't know? No. No, it's two okay. separate no. words. But... All right, I see how it is. And everything now will rhyme with lid pink. Okay. Great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there was a better way to start it off. <laughs> An indoor area of frozen water populated entirely by humans under the age of 10. Pool school. Kid rink. Pool school. Kid rink. Sam Kid got rink. It. It's no, they don't rhyme, rhyme with, with each other, Sam. They rhyme with lid pink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you forgot the key fifth rule of many rules. <laughs> <laughs> the unpleasant smell of the capital of Spain. Something stink. Madrid stink. Oh, shoot. Right? God, oh, Sari's killing it. <laughs> that was a team effort. Sam said stink. I did say stink. Okay, so you each get half a point. This one's hard. The slang term what, for what happens when the British pound suddenly gets smaller. Quid, quid shrink? Oh, yeah! shit. <laughs> I love this game. It's really fun for game. me. It's bad. <laughs> the covering... Of an eyeball that closes rapidly. Lid blink. Is it lid blink? There it blink? is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> when you and another person at an auction both raise your paddles simultaneously. Bid sink. Oh. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> and finally, the last one of this round is just a cocktail. Gin drink? Is a stiff drink? Something drink. That's, that's, I mean, that works. It is a slant <sighs> rhyme. I've made it hard for the last one. Okay. Just a cocktail. It's a mixed drink, you guys. Oh. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we got, got just as close with gin drink and stiff and drink. Stiff, stiff drink. We're both good. And now, now for a bonus point for each of you, at the same time, can you say what we've been rhyming with? Oh, shit. Yeah. That has to do with cephalopods. Squid ink? Is it squid yeah. ink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. So you both got the bonus point. We were rhyming with squid ink. Now for our second round of rhyme time. Uh, This is a whole new rhyme, so we're starting out with a porcine preparing his lips for a kiss. Pig. Pig gloss? Pig pucker? Pig pucker! I didn't want to say that because it sounds (laughs) gross coming out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So we're rhyming with pig pucker, everybody. No. For example, (laughs) a sweet fruit with many seeds. That drives a truck. Big trucker. <laughs> the CEO of Facebook after he has been put in a naval jail. Brig Zucker. <laughs> <laughs> a person who throws very small sticks. Twig chucker. Oh <laughs> I God. like it so much. And finally, last in the round, a person who removes the feathers from chickens while studying the mathematical properties of triangles and thinking a lot about sines and cosines. Trig plucker. Trig. I don't know that. So what cephalopod thing are we rhyming with with pig pucker, fig trucker, brig zucker, twig chucker, and trig plucker? I don't know. Big sucker? Something sucker. <laughs> big sucker. That's right. Is that true? Is big yeah, sucker? Big, big sucker. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to be wrong. I thought it was like some technical term for a sucker. Nope. Just a big <laughs> Just one. Just a big Do they even have big ones? They got small ones. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really a science fact filled game. No, I thought you would tell us a little bit about it at the end, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Squid's yeah, that's a, maybe next time I'll 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 do a sciency word and then I'll explain what the thing is. Well, you can explain squid ink. What's squid ink? Yeah, so it's ink. Uh, so it's it is a compound that is stored inside of a squid that they can expel, and it creates a cloud, basically a, a kind of chaff. Like we do this as humans as well, where we'll obscure our existence with like smoke or you know, blowing up things around airplanes intentionally to create a smoke screen of a kind. Basically a defense mechanism so that squids can get away. The suckers of cephalopods uh, are have like their own memories and can kind of control themselves without a central nervous system knowing what to do. They are not only really good at grabbing onto things. If you ever have the chance to get tentacled by an octopus, Ugh. I do suggest you do it. I've done it. It's remarkable. But not only that, but they also have tons of chemoreceptors so they can taste. They know exactly what they're touching. They can. They are extremely sensitive and they know whether the thing that their tentacle has touched is good food or not, which is why it is generally fairly safe if you are in a, an, an environment with a, a person who knows what they're doing to get octopus tentacled. But stay away from the middle because that's where the mouth is. Uh. They eat crabs. So crabs are tougher than your finger. 
All right. That, and that was Rhyme Time, everybody, which is a game <laughs> I, sh- I should have named before just now. Even with more time to think about it, I think you maybe would have named it Rhyme Time. It's probably, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Sari came out of that one with eight and a half points. Mm-hmm. Sam with six and a half. Sari is our leader, but Sam, you really, you held up. You held mm-hmm. up. Yeah, even though for a moment there, I felt like you were having a bit of a... Well, I was not really understanding what was going on, but I <laughs> got there true. eventually. In the beginning. I didn't go to MIT, so... It takes me a little bit longer to figure things out. That's all I did there was rhymes. (laughs) Rhymes. (laughs) Next, we're going to take a short break, and then it'll be time for the Fact Off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster... (laughs) Use some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand, the only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora... Ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts? I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. 
Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme, sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, the scores are a little different this year. They're going to be higher. We're going to have higher scores for sure. And so now it's time to get back to the normal tangent stuff with Fact Off. Two panelists have brought science facts to present to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I get to give some points to the the fact that I like the most in whatever way I want to. So I could give... I could give away 50 points to one person. <laughs> I could give I could split them up 25 to each. Uh because all, because everything's off the table right now. But to decide who goes first, we're going to ask you a trivia question you two. So cephalopods can communicate visually by varying certain types of communication elements into specific signaling states. To be clear here, if I was going to yell at you, that would be like, I would both be yelling the word and I would be yelling. And so those would be two different communication elements along with that that word that I was yelling. So cephalopods can do this visually. They have different communication elements that they can vary to produce their signals of communication. How many, so me yelling fire was two, how many does a cephalopod, can a cephalopod have? I'm going to say five. Ah, shoot, I was going to say five. I'm going to say six. It is four. You've got your color, you've got your skin texture, you've got your posture, and you've got your locomotion. So all of those things are ways, and they all influence each other into what the actual signal means. That'd be very complicated. Sam, you go first. So my fact is this. Bobtail squids are little golf ball-sized squids that live in warm coastal waters around the world. Aside from being extremely cute, they are most notable for the unique symbiotic relationship they have with bioluminescent bacteria called Alivibrio fisheri, which I'll just call the bacteria from now on. The bacteria live in light-sensing organs in the squid's body, and the bacteria can sense the amount of light coming from above into the water and hitting the squid and it can match that light with its own glow so it makes the squid's bottom the same light intensity Mm. as the light hitting it from above so basically if you're below it and you look up you can't see it and it's invisible to predators that would be coming at it from below so in return for this the squid produces sugars for the bacteria to eat And we talked about this in an episode of SciShow in 2019, actually, which I'll link to in the show notes. And at the end of that episode, we Hank talks about uh, how scientists were working to figure out how the bacteria can live safely in the squid. And in late 2020, a paper published in PLOS Biology may have provided the answer. The bacteria use their own RNA to change some of the squid's normal gene expression. So first, a little aside that I thought was kind of cool. Bobtail squids get studied a lot by researchers interested in symbiosis because unlike most organisms that depend on a bunch of different types of helpful bacteria to do things like digest food, these squids only allow that one single type of bacteria to live in their light sensing organs. So it makes everything a lot clearer and easier to look at when you're trying to figure out how bacteria 
based symbiotic relationships work. But anyway, when researchers at the University of Hawaii were sequencing bobtail squid blood RNA, basically, what they found was that in the RNA sequences of the blood, there were RNA sequences that were made by the bacteria, and that the RNA that they found was especially concentrated in areas around the light-sensing organs where the bacteria lived. Um, and inside the bacteria, this RNA is part of protein production. But when the bacteria release it into the squid, the RNA produces a calming effect in the squid's immune system, but hmm. only in the specific places where the bacteria live. So basically, it just like makes its home nicer using its own RNA. Uh, and this is some of the first evidence that beneficial bacteria can communicate with and like terraform their host, basically. And the researchers think that this probably happens in like tons of of this kind of um, mm -hmm. symbiotic relationship and that we just have never known to look for it before. But now they're like going back and looking at other similar symbiotic relationships to see if this kind of like RNA transfer is happening in all of Weird. them. So where do these bacteria live? In in them? They live, they kept calling, when the papers I saw were calling them crypts, like mm. the crypt keeper. So they must be like <laughs> pits or something. Like they're like oh. eyes, I suppose, but they're not, it's eyes. They, they're like pits in their mantles, I think, that they live in. Cool. I just looked up crypts and i found that your tonsils have them Ew. okay um, that's why you get tonsil like, stones like, right yeah just pits in your tonsils oh. blah, 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 blah. are the squid born with their symbiotic bacteria or do did you mention this no, or do they like gather them over their lifetime it's kind of weird they filter them out of the ocean hmm. and the specific ones stick there's like a protein that makes specific ones stick to where they want them to stick wow. to. Wow. They're related to other more dangerous bacteria. And if they get too many of them, that's a bad thing. So at least according to the SciShow episode, every night they have to spit out 90% of them. And then they just like regrow them slowly. Whoa. So, weird. Yeah. Or they like that's eat more. Weird. But they have to get rid of them before they get too many of them. Very cool, Sam. Sari, that's a tall order. What do you got for me? Just me. Just you. <laughs> Okay, if you watch cute videos of octopuses, which I'm sure you have, or gone to an aquarium, you've probably noticed that they're mostly solitary creatures. But in the last decade or so, we've started to discover more social behaviors, like this animated movie in the making. It's not actually, but I think it should be. There are two <laughs> small octopus apartments in Jervis Bay, a body of water in New South Wales, Australia, nicknamed Octlantis and Octopolis. So one of these sites is a big pile of shells surrounding a 30-centimeter-long man-made piece of junk that is kind of unidentifiable, which has been inhabited by around 2 to 16 gloomy octopuses from 2009 to 2016, which was the latest paper I could find. That's the type of octopus they are? Yes, they're, they're okay, a species okay. called the gloomy octopus, which I deeply relate to. And then the <laughs> other site was discovered more recently in 2016 with three piles of shells and around 10 to 15 gloomy octopuses. And these sites were likely founded when one gloomy octopus claimed a den, like under that piece of junk, foraged for shellfish, and then gradually created a garbage pile of shells, which became bigger and bigger, and eventually became big enough to house more octopuses, who brought even more shellfish garbage to construct a bigger pile and more potential housing. And the researchers cautioned, even though this has been reported as like designing an octopus city, they, they don't want to anthropomorphize these octopodes. 
but it falls under this broader idea called ecosystem engineering because they are changing their environment in a way that it like makes it more suitable for them to live or or changes the way they can live in that environment. And usually octopuses just find like solo rocks for hidey hole purposes or burrow a little bit in the sand, but they don't regularly pile up inedible scraps and then live near each other like within arm's reach. So this like little village is very weird. They didn't get mean and eat each other to get rid of the competition, which is sometimes what happens. Although males have sometimes been observed like fighting or poking each other or competing over cozier shell dens. But other times they're just like fun eating nearby each other and finding mates in in like a neighboring apartment. So like the meat cutes that happened in the good old days or whatever, uh, we just like get married to your neighbor. And so even though this isn't bee colony level social activity, these gloomy octopuses are coexisting on a level we haven't really seen before in, in octopuses before. What, what is it? What is an octopus's garden? Is that what it is? <laughs> it sounds like an octopus, like that, 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 that's what it is. Oh, I don't is know. Is it a real thing or just a song? And Sari, do you know the song? Is it a song? Mm. It's a song by the Beatles. I do so. know the Beatles. You know about the... <laughs> okay, good. I know Yellow yeah. Submarine. That's not Octopus's Garden. It's adjacent no. to that song, yeah. It I mean, is. They're both Ringo songs, so he was into that kind of thing for some reason. Mm. Yeah. I think that Octopus's Garden was just a, a whimsical turn of phrase, uh, but it sounds like now we've actually kind of found one, though these aren't growing things. I'm going to go ahead and anthropomorphize and say that this is an amazing <laughs> octopus city and I want to go live there when I'm an octopus in the future. I, I assume it's going to happen eventually, right? You got to believe in yourself. The process is going to be slow. I'm going to have to split my each of my limbs into two. Uh-huh. That's not going to be easy. No. Got to get rid of all my bones. Yeah. Um, got to get way smaller, which is, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, something that I think is the right move regardless. <laughs> I'm tired of being so large. I think you should get rid of all your bones first. And the then first I think step. the rest will follow. I think it would make it a lot easier. We're going to need some really tough organs. Otherwise, we're just going to collapse into a blob and die. Yeah, you got to be in the water. Oh. Yeah. You'd be fine if you're in the water. Get in your bathtub. Bones. Get rid of your bones. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. You're halfway there. It is now my responsibility, my privilege, and my joy to assign oh, points for your facts. Sari. I'm going to go ahead and give you 22 points. And I don't know Sam, bad, yeah. I'm going to give you 38. Ooh. <laughs> are these, is that golf points, right? These are, this is just no, regular No, yeah, scoring. I liked your fact more. <laughs> so if you're playing along at home, you may have noticed that I had zero opportunities to get points this Well, we game. made a little mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's, which is, like, you might think that that's the result of us not thinking a ton about this, but we actually thought a ton about <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> It's just that we're not great at thinking. Um, <laughs> well, so we may, we may chalk this one up to, uh, this one's like a friendly, a mm-hmm. scrimmage. We may not count these points, especially because I went a little off the rails there with the assignation of points. But what's going to happen is we get points throughout the episode, and at the end of the episode, whoever wins gets one chin coin. So it's basically we're tallying the wins for the for the year. And now it's time to Ask the Science Couch, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Or is it? This week, I'm taking over (laughs) Ask the Science Couch for my own evil purposes. I'm going to try and stump the Science Couch by asking them a listener question that neither of them have seen yet. If they get it wrong, I get to look like a real smart guy while I explain the answer. Uh, And if they get it right, well, good for them. (laughs) So 
at Erratic Artist asks, why don't octopus suckers stick to themselves? Do we have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, because they know. Because they're smarty pants. They don't just stick. They're not like they're not like passive sticky suckers that I would put on a if I'm like hanging a wreath on my door. Uh huh. What is another thing that we use suckers for? I don't know. Be like in the uh, shower, a shower caddy when yeah. you're in the college days. Like yeah, yeah, up. yeah. College days shower caddies. <laughs> that it only sucks. An octopus sucker will only suck when it intentionally decides to suck. So it is a it has a muscle in it that like pulls up and creates the vacuum that creates the suckage. But Hank, what about this? If you cut one off, they can still operate independently and they instinctively sucker to stuff even after they're cut off, but they still don't stick to themselves. Uh, well, I don't know. You're giving me a lot of information that makes me think maybe there's like chemo receptors that like uh, that like know whether or not they're touching it themselves. Yeah, this makes me think that there's some sort of like mucus or some sort of like Kind of like how oh. we have sweat excreted from our skin. Like there's just like octopus sweat where if they touch themselves, they're like, mm, that's me. Uh. Or <laughs> I thought you were going to say that like octopus suckers literally cannot stick to themselves because there's like a property of the octopus skin oh. that makes them unstickable. And so even if another octopus wanted to stick to an octopus, it couldn't. What are chemoreceptors? It's like taste buds, like any okay. anything that can like sense a chemical and send a nervous system signal that it, that it has sensed that chemical. Okay, well, I'll tell you the answer now. You basically got it right. At first, I thought the same thing that Hank did, where it's like, oh, they're just smart. So they must have some degree of self-awareness and they don't stick to themselves. I assume that's the case when the arm is still attached to the main octopus body. But like I said, they want to stick to themselves even after the, the tentacle is cut off because tentacles still have some autonomy after they're cut off until they completely die. So, and like we said earlier, octopus tentacles have receptors in them that allow them to touch something and figure out if they're edible or not. So you'd think maybe the cutoff one especially would stick onto it and think, ah, meat, I will stick onto this and rip it apart or something. So the answer is, it is something that is secreted by the skin. It's a chemical that tells its arms that it's touching another part of it, the body that it belongs to or previously belonged to and that it shouldn't kill or eat it. But what I thought was really kind of cool about all of this is that scientists think that this is the first chemical signal that triggers a motor function in all of biology that doesn't originate from the brain. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense in that like when we move our muscles that like signal is coming from our central nervous system, which originates in our brain. Like I have to think to move my hand. Th this thing about octopuses where they're like, they have areas of their nervous system that think that aren't their brain. Mm -hmm. That like do a little bit of thinky stuff and you're like, nah, it doesn't, it's not how it works. Ugh. But they are an advanced organism that, that have very little in common with us. Like they are smart, but they evolved from clams. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess you guys win this round i would say you pretty much deduced it if you want to ask the science crowd your question you can follow us on twitter at scishow tangents where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week thank you to at i am nonth at patty masha and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this episode final scores sari has 30 and a half and Sam has 45 and a half. Wow. I have nothing. Uh -oh. <laughs> Do you want to give us anything for the science couch? Sarah, you get zero points and Hank, you get 45 points. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because wow. it doesn't matter, because the only thing that matters is who the winner is, which is Sam. So Sam gets his chin coin, which I don't know. We might nullify in the end. Yeah, I don't think I probably earned this one. We don't really know what we're doing. But it was a lot of fun, and we're going to keep figuring it out. Bye! I'm thinking by like the fifth year of SciShow Tangents, we're going to have it locked down. <laughs> yeah. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's so easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen, and that helps us know what you like about the show. You can also tweet out your favorite moment from the episode. Finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, please just tell, tell, tell people, people about, about us. us. You threw an extra word in. <laughs> I did, sorry. It's the third season. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes, along with Hiroka Matsushima. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia Prieto. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, a mind is not a vessel to be filled but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In 2018, archaeologists published their findings from a medieval site in Poland where among the human skeletons and other junk, they found the fossils of an ancient cephalopod called the Belemnite, which had a hard internal skeleton that looks sort of like a bullet. Humans had long been using whole or powdered versions of the Belemnite's fossilized rostrum, or posterior, or butt, as I like to call it, to try and fix things (laughs) like warts, burns, headaches, toothaches, and whatnot. And like at this site, a fossilized Belemnite fragment was found in a skeleton's pelvis that had degenerative bone damage, where it is thought to have been placed to try and help. They weren't living alongside living Belemnites. No. They were finding fossils and thinking, this fossil will fix this. I know it. Yep. Yeah. This is a magic ah. fossil. And what I should do is put it in my body. And that will make <laughs> right <better>. in the pelvis. <laughs>